everyone, it's Angelo. You're listening in to a test episode for a new podcast that I'm working on. For now, I'm calling it Stories. It's based around this one question, what is your story? I'm going to be bringing on friends and some guests, and I'm going to be asking them, what is your story? Where do you come from? What do you do? What did you study? What are you interested in? And then we'll talk about what they're interested in. We might be talking about music, films, whatever it is that they want to talk about. And I'm happy to learn, I'm happy to grow, um, I'm happy to share these stories with you. That's what I want to do, um, and I, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Yesterday I recorded something with Quan, a friend of mine from school. We talked about Vampire Weekend, we talked about music. Um, it's not exactly the format that I want to continue going forward, but I just wanted to test it out to see how I can edit a podcast, how I can upload it, um, whatever I can do to learn how to really bring this podcast to life. Um, what I need from you is your thoughts, your feedback. I need your help in making this something that you want to listen to because this is just a little bit of a fun project for me, something that I can share with the world, something that um, will take up some of my time and something I can have fun with. Um, give me your thoughts, give me your feedback. Um, let me know if you like the title. Uh, I'm not sold yet, I'm not completely sold yet on the title stories. I'm thinking conversations. Um, I'm thinking something along those lines, but for now the, the title is stories. Um, you'll be hearing from me um, maybe every week. Uh, whenever my time permits me to create one of these podcasts. Um, I'm just having fun with this and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. So thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully you like this test episode. Again, give me your thoughts and your feedback. Thanks. Okay, we're trying something out here. Um, this will be the first test of what could possibly be a, a whole podcast. Um, right now we're on Quan's backyard. We are having scotch, we're having some drinks. Um, there are kids playing in the back backyard next door. I shouldn't be eating during this. Um, and we're eating, uh, no, we're just having fun. I should not be eating. Um, no, we're having fun um, and we're gonna we're gonna try this thing out, and uh, today we're gonna talk about Vampire Weekend because Quan has this this theory about Vampire Weekend that I think is pretty interesting. So, um, this is Quan. Quan, say hi. Hey, what's up? Quan uh, is a friend of mine from Trinity College. We went to U of T together. He's now doing his PhD at Princeton in economics. Um, That's where my cred is coming from on this topic. Yeah, yeah he's got a, he's got a lot of cred, um, but him and I are are good friends. He's a he's a musician. Um, he uh, he's a big fan of Vampire Weekend. Um, and what you went to go see Vampire Weekend twice in the last few it's months? Twice already. I went to see them at Echo Beach when they came to Toronto, and they released. Um, Father of the Bride, which was the new record at Webster Hall, and they played from ten o'clock to five, and I was there for that. Yeah, and it was a pretty good day. Okay, so tell me, tell me more about that Webster Hall show. Like, how, how was yeah. it like? Was it packed? It was. Yeah. How did you get in? So the capacity was nine hundred people, and you had to like go through like a lottery process to get the tickets. 
and my friend Allison, my best friend Allison and I got tickets and we showed up at like 9 o'clock. Um, waited until 10, the band started around then. And there were bagels, there were pizza, there were guests, and like they just played their entire discography into 10, 5. It was a crazy day, man. Yeah. Okay, so then what songs do you think stood out for you the most? Because, right, like bands don't always play their whole discography uh, at right. their show because it's just it's just not enough it's yeah. just not enough time um, and they have to choose particular songs that that stand out so for you what were the songs that stood out from their from their set and what songs do you think they should have played that you wanted you wanted right. them to play uh, yeah I'll answer that second one first which is they didn't play Fingerback which I think is among the best Vampire Weekend songs and it's the it's in it's what the eighth track of Modern Vampires and it goes uh, bend a finger back snap wrap it in a paper towel um, it's about what is it there's like a breakdown in the middle about seeing a girl at the falafel shop who is like an orthodox and like should like the Muslim guy make eye contact with her like should they like try to date because like it's against the religion like, like an orthodox Jew yeah uh, wait as orthodox girl met her eyes at a falafel shop and why not should she have just averted her eyes and stared at the laminated poster of the dome of the rock it's uh, pretty funny and it's, it's like it's part of like Ezra's religious exploration or just like him trying to understand more about the role of religion in his life um I thought it's like an amazing song. Yeah. Have you seen that movie? You don't mess with the Zohan. No, what's that? It's, it sounds like the same plot. We're like basically one side of the street is Jewish, the other side of the street is Palestinian, and Adam Sandler as Zohan, who is this uh, hairstyler or something, has to bring together the Palestinians and the Jewish people to, to uh, put out a fire, I think, and he puts out the fire with a hose of hummus mm, that's pretty yeah that's not that's, that's not subtle <laughs> that's not uh, not, that's subtle not subtle I, I think Ezra Koenig is out there trying to uh, trying to solve world peace there that's hilarious um okay yeah. so you saw yeah. them at uh yeah. you saw them at Echo Beach as well right yeah, you saw them in Toronto yeah it was, it was a rainy raining day it was going to be cancelled because of threats of lightning but then they came through anyway and they played a the show it was a lot of fun, yeah. It was it was pretty weird to have gone away for... I, I lived in Toronto for six years, and then uh, including college, where I met you, and then I went to Stanford for two years in San Francisco, and then I'm back in... and now I'm in New York. So Vampire Weekend, I would have seen across two of those locations, and there are like a couple bands that I've seen in all three towns. So like Broken Social Scene, who we're about to go see tonight, would already is in that rank of bands I've seen in all three places. Who else coming up? The National is coming up. I think I'm seeing them in three places as well. Let me let me ask you about Echo Beach because um, for me Echo Beach isn't one of my favorite venues. Suck. Yeah, it, it kind of does suck. Um, it, there's something about the sand at Echo Beach that really gets me. It's like, like um, I always joke about it with that Star Wars meme with Anakin Skywalker in the second movie where he's like, I hate sand. It gets everywhere. Mm. And that's basically me every single time I go see a show at the Echo Beach. The rain helped because the rain packed the sand together. So you're just like making sure like giant packs of sand don't fall into your shoe, which is a lot easier. Then. See, I, I wanted to ask about that. So the rain 
the rain, rain made the sand better. The rain made the sand better because it made it like if it was like if it was soil, it would become muddy, but it wasn't that muddy. It was an enjoyable time. It was not. It was not bad. Okay. I recommend Echo Beach in the rain. And also, it's a very vampire weekend situation to be on like a freezing beach. What do you mean by that? Because like you know like. Like they're like a fantastic band to hear on the beach because like their whole like vibe earlier was like this party vibe band like with like very like poppy guitar like fantastic band to like watch like on the beach when you're like knocking back a couple of drinks but now that like they've like turned somewhat melancholic like the rain sort of make the atmosphere. Yeah, I think melancholy would be the right word, and I also have a song about a freezing beach, so that helped. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's um, there's um, God, I love that song. Um, <laughs> Hannah Hunt. Hannah Hunt. Yeah. I love that song. Uh, she tore the New York Times up into pieces. Yeah. Love that song. Um, okay, but then, how do you? Would you rather call them a beach band, or what they are usually known as as this? Preppy, Oxford, Ivy School band, kind of trying to rebel against Definitely. that that pretentiousness, Definitely. but also embracing it. Um, like, is is it is it more of that preppy pretentious band, or is it that beach band, or has it morphed into something? I mean, Ivy just League, completely different. Ivy League kids go to the beach too. Um, I think it's like I think about what they are. And I get the sense that they sort of like figured out the cultural stake in what they do, and they determined to somewhat to piss some people off, and that's very inspiring to me to like try to piss some people off in your work, um, and like sort of like if you're like there's there's a guy there's an economist who like told us that if your work you go around and you shop around your work. And more than eighty percent of people say that this is good. You're playing it too safe, and I think Vampire Weekend was not playing it safe at all, and it really paid off for them. They were like posing an indie rock kid, Ivy Ivy League kids, who play African guitar, who basically like appropriated culture, if you want to use that word, and like just got away with it. They have a song called Cape Cod Kwasa Kwasa. Yeah, yes like, they do. Yes that's they do. A, that's as like that's as blatant as it gets. Yeah, and like again, a contra. Like I think, like a lot of the songs about contra is being very privileged and also being able to do rock and roll as well. Like when I think you're a contra. There's a line saying, um, "You wanted rock and roll, complete control. You're not a contra. Uh, you wanted good schools and friends with pools. You're not a contra." And I think Vampire Weekend are a contra. Okay, so. I mean, I want to ask you about your about your vampire weekend theories, but I'll get to that in a second. I think the the, the question that follows up from what you've just said is, how do they get away with this sense of we are white, but we're gonna try and appropriate all these sounds, right? Like, there's, I mean, obviously Paul Simon did it before them. Um, he got into a mountain got, of shit. He got into a mountain but made of shit. An amazing album. And he got away with it. Yeah. Um, and Vampire Weekend did the same. Uh, they have Cape Cod Kwasa Kwasa, and they got they they got away with it. And in some senses, they they seem to be aware of it, even yeah. if they don't really 
explicitly say it. Like they have a song on their new album, right? Like unbearably white. white. Yeah. Right. And and the title could be talking about them, especially after Rostam Batman glitch. There was a Pitchfork article. Calling them unbearably white. Yeah, they are unbearably white, but the song doesn't actually talk about them it's being a, unbearably white. Ezra's Polish. Ezra's a Polish Jew. Yeah. Rostam is like Iranian. They're objectively not the whitest men. The national is way wider than. So then, so then, how do they get away with being this, this uh, icon of kind of white, ivy, pretentious kid? Um, college school music to having these world influences and having someone like Rostam Batman Glitch, a multi-instrumentalist um, who is able to create all of these wonderful textures um, and are so, able to get away with all of that in their music. You know, I think like you can come up with cultural theories as to like why certain theories certain cultural movements certain cultural moments catch on and not others I mean that's like a valid exercise to do I honestly think the songs were good that's it you can the songs were good enough to make the points they want to make and people wanted to listen to it and then they won because the songs were good I think it just come down to that but I don't know I've probably there are some like cultural theorists like in the music department or in the English department reviewing that right now. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. Okay, so earlier on, before we started this podcast, you told me about this idea of the Vampire Weekend Theory. And I'm curious to hear about that. I have some more questions on you about that. But first, tell me what the theory is about. The theory is as someone who grew up in Toronto to some extent, a couple of years, and then went to a pretend Ivy, that's what we're gonna call Trinity College, a pretend Ivy, and then somehow make it to an actual Ivy for no good reason. I'm gonna, I think Vampire Weekend was just, I say it's five or six years ahead of us in their anxiety. For context, I'm what, 24 now. Uh, Ezra is 30. 33, 34 um, and they've always like when I was in high school they released their first album and that's what's about college and about like who gives a fuck about Oxford comma which is a question that they found interesting at the time like by now I just don't give I don't think that question is that interesting anymore after already graduating from college like two or three years ago like just like the question itself is no longer interesting not even the fact that the Oxford comma is interesting the question of who gives a fuck about Oxford comma is was interesting while you were in college and now it's not that any longer and your anxiety is morphed into something else and 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 vampire weekend just somehow predicted perfectly what my next anxiety was gonna be for the last three albums which made the last album somewhat foreboding for me because like they are singing now about like getting married and like moving to like have a new life together with your with your partner and like is that what I'm gonna feel in a couple of years? Does that make sense? They're always ahead of us in anxieties. Okay, so let's take it one like step by step. Yeah. What does contra mean in all of this? Right. So the first album was about being in college, uh, lying on the stone and grass outside the Columbia Butler Library. Um, the kids don't stand a chance about like having to like being college kids and trying to make it. 
uh, Oxford Comma. The second album was about you almost get the sense that these kids have somewhat actualized their places in that college. They were no longer anxious about being in college, and they were looking out and to what is next. And there's a song about um, uh, run is about like trying to run away with someone, like realizing that you can run. Um, and then holiday is about like some, in some sense having holiday, but not literally. And white guys like walking around in Manhattan and like looking at office buildings and like sort of imagining yourself in that scene. So like they're looking outside Colombia now. Um, and then by the third album, all of that was already basically disintegrated, right? Like the couple that wanted to run away and run did run away and Hannah Hunt and then found themselves on the beach, breaking up over the fact that you and me we have different sense of time. Um, the the person that was walking around Manhattan imagining themselves in the office buildings, imagining themselves in skyscrapers, are now an obvious bicycle who's saying, uh, you should spare the world your uh, spare the word a razor. What is it? Spare the word trait Spare the no world's gonna spare their yeah. time for you. Yeah. So yeah. so the, the the cynicism they have become somewhat cynical, especially at the beginning of the album. Um, and then like a step is definitely is like saying back back way back I used to front like anchor what. Um, and then wisdom's a gift but you trade it for you. So they've they've aged. And that is sort of like I don't know if that's like it's appropriate for the like sort of put myself in that position but now I'm like I'm living in New York for the summer and I've always like walked around New York thinking like imagining like what I would be like in one of those buildings and now after like after having been out of college for three years having like broke up with my college girlfriend a long time like two years ago now it's like wondering like what is what is this current anxiety is it about being lost is about having already actualized your goal and while you're in college and not not knowing what to do next and I think that's that was that's what they wrote in 2013 right that's that's really interesting and um, I, I I definitely see it with so modern vampires of the city is one of my favorite albums uh, Hannah hunt it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that's um, Probably the best song that Vampire Weekend has done. Oh, definitely. The pinnacle of their entire career. I think... Um, the trilogy. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think Ezra Koenig's songwriting has, uh, has done its best on Hannah Hunt and the ideas behind Hannah Hunt. The simple story of, of traveling across the country and moving to a new place and realizing it's not for them and that they have these different values, different ideas of how time and how money works. Um, Especially I think that's... because you saw them in the second album, asking themselves, because Honey With You is the only honest, only honest way to go. Um, yeah, right? And like, yeah, with a little yeah. batter radio, we could try, and then they did try, and then it just fucked everything up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I guess, is the trilogy done, right? Like The trilogy so, done. The trilogy is done. Trilogy is definitely done. So, because Ross and Batman Glitch has has left, he's no longer with the band. He's with like Carly, um, Carly Rae Jepsen and Charlie XCX now. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I love Ross and Batman Glitch. I love all of the work he does. I love his production work. His solo stuff is really good. 
Um, and if anyone out there is listening, uh, go listen to his solo stuff. It's different from Vampire Weekend, but half light. It's out on XL recording. Yeah, it has some. It has some shades of early va- Vampire Weekend, but Father of the Bride is completely different. So I guess the two things. One. Is Father of the Bride completely separate from the three previous albums? And two, what does Father of the Bride really mean? Do you think do you think you can make work that is completely separate from all the work you've done before? I don't think anyone can do that. Like, however radical you like, everything is in context. And Ezra is something who's like obsessed with the idea of like discography like presenting your life's work as a complete set so i don't think like knowing like how ezra think about like how he talked about how he think about discographies and like how we look at like bands and like wondering what the next album should be i think it's definitely part of ezra's career is it part of the trilogy no but is it does it culminate out of the trilogy for sure and it's about like I, it's very interesting to me that they basically appropriated American music this time. Like on the third album, it was very religious tone. On the second album, there was shades of ska. On the first album, it was African guitar, and now they're like, like this life is basically a Van Morrison song, like that's basically Brown Eyed Girl, um, and. Wait, and uh, they're basically a jam band now. Like they, they're aspiring to become Fish. And somehow okay, people okay. are saying that this is new, which is strange because most bands, if they put out a jam jam album, they would just be like, okay, they are trying to be fish. But first, say Vampire Weekend has taken so much risk that trying to be an American band now feels like a special thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, it just seems to me. Okay, I I like the new album. Um, but it lacks it lacks Ross and Batman glitches production and instrumentalism, um, and I really miss that. That the, the and and I I also think Ezra Koenig's songwriting has taken a little bit of a step back. Really? There's nothing on the album that really um, strikes me as as uh, like a highlight. Um, there are a few good songs, um, but. What are your I guess, favorite? Okay, my favorites. Um, I like uh, Chow Chow Bambina. Mm. Um, what I are like, you think that song is about? I don't know. I'll see I don't you know. when the violence ends for now, Chow Chow Bambina. Um, there's, there's a lot of articles out there about how Adra Koenig is trying to talk about world peace and wanting world peace. Um, so maybe that's it? I don't know. Um... There's uh there's all the Daniel Heim songs, um, that that whole storyline of what I believe is uh Daniel Heim is about to get married with, um with some other random guy and Ezra Koenig plays, um, a suitor or uh. Um, you don't think the guy is part of the Vampire Weekend universe? Which guy? Ezra Koenig? No, the guy in Daniel Heim songs. No, I don't Why think not? so. I think I don't think so. I think he's a separate person. I think I think the wedding is between two completely different people that we don't really know. 
We were married in a gold rush, so why didn't I remember anything? Why do you think those are two people who you've never seen? I agree that having the having the romantic interest you've never seen in the Vampire Weekend universe. They're, the girl is not the same girl in Hannah Hunt, that's for sure. Okay. That ended there. Okay. Um, but he, I, I feel like the character grew and got married. I really think it's the same character. As, yeah. As the as the trilogy, but but it's almost very far removed. Wait, hold on. Ezra Koenig's character or yeah, the other? Yeah, Ezra Koenig's character is very much the same. Mm, you, might, you, you, you kind of bring up a good fact. But here's the thing. Daniel Heim character, Daniel Heim's character and Ezra Koenig's character aren't the ones getting married. I think the, the songs oh. indicate that Ezra Koenig is on the outside looking in. Um, that Ezra Koenig um, wants to be in the marriage, um, but she's getting married with someone else. Mm-hmm. Can we stop? Are you playing the song? No, 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 keep going. Um. I'm just trying to figure out what what songs I really like. What are your favorite songs? I think Jerusalem, New York, Berlin was a complete knockout. Yeah, I really like that song. The Steve Lacey songs were knockouts. Flower Moon was a great song. Sympathy was a very great track. So the thing about Jerusalem, New York, and Berlin, I had this uh, I had this interpretation of the song, of um, how it's. an eternal couple who had been together, who could have been together for centuries and can never be together is, is the idea. That they are doomed to fail. Um, there's a... Like there's Israel and Palestine. It could, I mean, okay, so I'm, get, I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Um, it's, it's a couple that just never can seem to get together. And there's... there's you know, talk of what, 1917, 1918, yeah, 1919, yeah. and ever since then, they can't get together. Um, uh, that's my theory of it. But then I read interpretations where it's like, no, it's about it's about Jewish people not finding their place, not finding a, uh, a peaceful place. You know Jerusalem as uh, as the Israeli homeland, New York as the place for American Jews, Berlin as the um, historic place for Jewish people. Um, we don't have to get into the whole history of that, but Berlin and its place for Jewish people. You know. Jerusalem, New York, Berlin is such an interesting song for me. And I didn't understand the really what it meant until um, until I saw the lyrics. And even then, I still think my interpretation has some bearing. What do you think? What do you think is the lose and win when he said, all I want to do, all I do is lose, baby, but all I want is to win. I mean, that's, it sort of starts there. I think it's. I think it would take. I mean, the sentiment is a very common one of of people wanting to, as you say, like find world peace. I think I think it's very much about peace and trying to like, sort of like make peace between different people in the world and like trying to find a place to belong. But then it doesn't fit with that line: the win and lose. Line, which is what that's where I struggle with on that song basically 
maybe some too to me. See, when I when I've read interpretations of a song, when they say, when they say, uh, all I do is lose, all I want to is win, it's people people think of it as the Jewish people always losing. And I'm I'm not gonna get into here right. like here about like a racial argument, but I thought I saw it as like in a relationship. All I do is lose. All I want is to win. You don't want to All win, I... right? You want to win over your partner? Like, that's, that's... Well, okay. If we bring it into that story of Ezra Koenig and Daniel Heim, um, maybe he just wants to be with her and he wants to win her over, but he's losing because she's getting married to someone else. You know what I mean? You think it's a whole thing is a thing about the Daniel Ham's character going to marry someone else? Interesting. I never thought of it that way. Am I thinking too much of this as a concept album and too little like? I mean, old Vampire just... Weekend are kind of concepty. Yeah. I, I think the best concept for a concept album is that the concept of the songs are good. Yeah. And this one fit for me. Yeah. I also throw out. I really like that song. How long? You know, how, how long yeah. does it take to the Where bottom is suicidal? of the sea? Vampire Weekend gets more and more suicidal each album. Although they were pretty suicidal already at the beginning. Yeah. What was the most suicidal song on the first album? Maybe not. Maybe not on the first album, but on the second album, there was a couple of pretty suicidal moments. Um, like in Hard, they come to mind about like a, a vegetarian since the invasion. She never seen the word bomb. She never seen the word bomb blown up to 96 font Futura. She never seen the DK in the yellowy day glow display. And the t-shirt's so lovely that it turns on history books gray. So they've always been kind of preachy. I don't think like Vampire Weekend has ever like shied away from making like historical, like like trying to make messages about war and peace from a historical perspective. So I guess this is a continuation of that. Yeah. Well, how long was like how long would we sing to the bottom of the sea? That's very that's very nihilistic. That's yeah. sort of like letting it go and just sort of like let yourself go down to the bottom of the sea and be like, okay, when did we get there? Yeah, maybe I'm just nihilistic. Uh, mm. I mean, I call myself a cynical idealist, so probably makes sense. Um, okay, so I, I I don't think I really have anything else to talk about in terms of Vampire Weekend. Do you have anything else? I have a lot, but it's saved my think piece. Sorry? It's saved my think piece. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna write your own think piece on this. Yeah. yeah. Um... To wrap this up, um, so we're seeing Broken Souls scene tonight. In like a couple hours. Uh, any people you wish you will like you wish to see there? At with the band? Yeah. It'd be nice to see all like I've never seen Feist, Emily, and Amy together. You I, haven't. And I don't think they'll do it tonight, just because like but like if there's a night to do it, it would be tonight, no? Yeah. I so saw Emily in Webster Hall. Yeah. yeah. So the the thing about tonight is this is the tenth year anniversary of the Harborfront show or? of their two thousand nine Harborfront show. Jesus. Um, my friend and I were in high school, and we were going to go to the Harborfront Center school show, but we were in high school and didn't know how to get downtown. Um, I really remember that, and uh, I remember that it was a big deal, and all of the leading ladies showed up. Um, so maybe we'll get the same. Maybe, maybe won't. Maybe we won't. Oh, no. We'll see. I think Ariel Engel and Andrew Whiteman are now the the force behind the new ten songs. The ten yeah. songs, definitely. Yeah. That yeah, couple yeah. is. 
running things, man. Well, I just want to see Andrew Whiteman songs. I want to see Fire Eyed Boy. I want to see. Um, uh, All I want is you. That's yeah. Um, I know this is unlikely. I want to see Ungrateful Little Father. Um, which I won't sing because that's kind of NSFW, but but I love that song. Um, any songs you're looking forward to? Uh, what is a what is a broken sort of scene song that they play that I've never seen live? They, I mean, they play swimmers in hotel. They play swimmer. No, they play swimmers in backyard. When Emily was there, so that kind of took a box for me. No, I, I've seen them twice already this year. I'm just curious of what they're gonna play tonight. Yeah, it has to be a special event, no? Yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see something special. Um, I've seen them too many times. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, for all of you out there, today we're recording on Canada Day, so happy Canada Day. Um, think about all of the Indigenous people that we that are in our lives um, that have been um, affected by our Canadian genocide. Um, Canada Day. You know, not to get too uh, depressing mm-hmm. on you, but Canada Day is a uh, Canada Day is a day of celebrating, and it is a day of remembrance, um, and it is a day to commit to uh, doing better for Indigenous peoples, for newcomers, for immigrants, for refugees. Um, so I wish you the best Canada Day. Um, this is just the first of many episodes to come. We're just trying this out. Um, and uh, hopefully this 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 works out. Um, hopefully you'll be able to hear this. Hopefully you will listen and um, and subscribe to this. Um, until then, uh, Quan, you want to say your goodbyes? Ciao, ciao. All right, ciao, ciao, Pembina. Uh, I'll see you later. Take care. Bye.